False Chance Ranch by Ranger and Rolf, read by Zanship. Chapter 2 At some point in the early hours of the morning, there was an almighty thud from outside. It sounded like someone hurling a sledgehammer at a wall. Dale found himself bolt upright in bed, heart thundering with shock. It was getting light outside, and his watch, when he grabbed it from the dresser, stood at a quarter to five in the morning. The sledgehammer thudded again, still louder. Dale got out of bed and peered through his window. His door stood half open onto the landing, and he heard Riley's voice first, sleepy but perfectly calm. Flynn? Dale went out on the landing and found Riley in shorts and nothing else, barefoot and hair tousled. Riley gave him a cheerful smile and whacked a fist on Flynn's open door. It's all right. It's only bandits. Flynn! Throwing the door open, Riley disappeared inside the room and Dale heard a mattress bounce in a way that suggested someone Riley's size had just dropped on it. There was an answering growl from the bed. The sledgehammer came again from outside. Dale ran a hand through his hair, bewildered and seriously alarmed that he was having another... slight disorientation issue? Bandits? Though surely taking the whole cowboy thing too far, there could not possibly be Mexican brigands galloping around Wyoming. What is the matter with him? Paul demanded, emerging from his room and looking still sleepier in his t-shirt and long pants. I'm going to go out there and... Bandits, Dale said aloud, completely thrown now. Paul gave him a sympathetic look and rubbed a hand over his shoulder, an oddly personal and very kind gesture. No, no, it's fine. It's the stud stallion having a panic attack, that's all. Bandit. I separated out two of his mares yesterday evening and he's flapping because he can't get to them. He is not flapping, Riley reemerged from Flynn's room, looking rumpled, but quite cheerful. Did you explain to him what you were doing? No, Riley, Paul said with exasperation, following him towards the stairs. I did not stand and discuss my plans with the damn horse, because he's a horse, and because he knew damn well what I was doing, too. There you go, then. It's not polite just to take his mares and not ask him first. Riley reached the foot of the stairs, and in sheer bewilderment, Dale followed them through the family room to the kitchen, where Riley opened the kitchen door on a cool and heavily dewed morning. A large, bay stallion with massive shoulders and hindquarters and a heavy blonde mane swung his head around and gave them a look from where it stood beside the barn, unbridled, apparently entirely loose. Then it lifted a foreleg and thwacked a hoof into the wooden side of the barn with an impact like a jackhammer. Shoes, Paul said, grabbing Riley who was heading barefoot down the steps. Riley rolled his eyes but grabbed a jacket from the kitchen peg and pushed his feet into tennis shoes in the set beside the door before he jogged down the steps, voice soothing. Hey boy, hey fella. You know where they are. You can see them. The stallion allowed Riley to duck under his neck and stood still to be petted, but it kicked the barn again, just as hard. He wants Flynn, Paul said to Dale in exasperation. He won't stop until Flynn comes down. He always does this. It's because you won't talk to him, Riley called back. It's your own fault. Is that bandit? Jasper asked, appearing fully dressed and heading outside. I'll go check on the mares. The mares are fine. He's just moaning, Paul retorted. Dale, do you want tea? I'll have tea, please. Flynn, in jeans, shirt, and boots, came into the kitchen and pulled a jacket off the rack. We might as well have breakfast, too, if we're up, Paul said irritably. He's brought the entire herd down with him, and they're churning up the drive again. Of course he brought them all down with him. You can't blame him if you didn't tell him, Flynn said calmly, jogging down the steps. Paul rolled his eyes skywards at Dale, and Dale, to his own surprise, let loose a sudden bark of laughter. Paul gave him a quizzical look for a second, and then a very warm smile. He's as nutty as Riley is. Put a jacket on if you're going outside. Dale hesitated for a minute, not sure where he was wanted or allowed to be, then cautiously slipped a new jacket off a peg at the end of the rack and pulled it on, going out onto the porch. The stallion had looked up at the side of Flynn, and Flynn whistled to him, a bucket over his arm and walking steadily down the grass track beside the fence that led out into the open land. Bandit swung his head for a moment, and started to walk after him, 
towering above Flynn's head. In the distance, Dale could see the heads of fifteen or so mares grazing quietly and lifting their heads at intervals to look towards the stallion. Riley came back to the porch and sat down on the bottom step, giving Dale a companionable smile. Two of his mares are in the paddock and about to foal, and he doesn't like them being away from the herd, although he's too smart to try and steal them back. He's the only studded we've got. They're free-roaming. We don't do modern stud in any way, shape, or form. Judging by Riley's tone, modern stud, whatever that might be, was in the same league as cheating at cards and eating spinach. There's only about forty head on the ranch. We don't breed in a big way, but he sires lovely riding horses. He's gorgeous, bandit. Sex on legs. Normal people surely didn't feel that way about horses, even in Wyoming. However, there was something magnificent about the stallion's heavy muscles rolling under his coat. Riley hugged his knees as Jasper re-emerged from the paddock beyond the stables, long-jeaned legs rolling somewhat like bandits as he walked. They're fine. No sign of the foals coming. He must have been there a few hours, judging by the marks he's bit up to the fence and talking to them. As long as he doesn't bring the rest of the girls into the yard, we'll be all right, Paul said darkly, coming out with several mugs in hand. Jasper accepted his and sat on the porch rail above Riley. Well, he did wait for a civilized hour before he called. Are you used to horses, Dale? Not for years, Dale said softly as all three men looked at him. I rode when I was a kid, but not that much or that well. You'll pick it straight back up, Riley said confidently. You never forget, and it's easy riding out here. They were going to expect him to ride? Dale resisted the urge to raise an eyebrow. Cowboy games to fix the broken exec. Yee-haw. How's your head? Paul asked, handing a cup of tea over. You still look heavy-eyed. Fine, Dale said confidently. Much better. Hmm. Paul leaned against the rail, not even bothering to look politely believing. Every client we ever get has a caffeine hangover, Riley commented, drinking tea. They must drip-feed coffee in the cities. Dale raised an eyebrow, thinking of the coffee pots and take-out coffee that made up the day. What else did you drink? Jasper asked. Coffee, Dale admitted. Maybe water if I went to the gym, but mostly coffee. Drip feed. Riley gave him an uncritical grin and got up, going to meet Flynn as he came down the drive. Apparently, cowboying required a heavy iron roller being pushed over the green expanses of a paddock, flattening the kicked-up clods and marks of rabbits to make it safe for the horses. Dale, who had last seen the rollers used on cricket pitches in England, resisted the urge to roll his eyes and took the roller out to the paddock leaving Flynn to do whatever else cowboying involved. The thing was heavy and took effort to move, but not to the point of being more than strong physical work, and Dale gladly lost himself in the task, quickly finding the numbing repetition and exertion of yesterday. It quieted much of what was playing on his mind, yesterday's repetition of the incident. The first one had scared him badly at the office. It had been an awful event in itself, quite apart from the awful, humiliating consequences. He had convinced himself successfully that it had been a one-off, a freak occurrence from too many nights spent working. To have a second was not pleasant. It was terrifying. What was it like to go mad? The cold sweat mixed with the heat of the sun on his back under the Stetson that appeared to be law to wear out here. If he thought too hard, all he wanted to do was to get a phone, Carl Charles, and make any promises necessary, to get out of here, to go back to work, get himself back into familiar worlds, and do what he was good at doing, and this would all go away. Need a hand? It was Flynn's voice. Dale looked over, unhappy at the intrusion. The best part of the work was the escape. He didn't want the socializing. No thanks, I've got it covered. Flynn climbed the fence, clippers in hand, and began to work along the fence line, taking down some of the brush that was hedging the edge of the paddock. The man was big, and his shoulders were bulky under his shirt. Dale ducked his head, concentrating on the steady effort to push the roller in the lines across the rough turf. It didn't take long enough. When the last line was done, Dale straightened up and stretched his shoulders, casting a wary eye at Flynn. He was half tempted to start the lines again. The work was soothing. Flynn had already seen and gestured with the clippers at the barn. 
Take the roller back. Ronnie's in the barn. You can go and give him a hand. This wasn't actually therapy at all. These people had just hit on a great source of free labor. Dale hauled the roller towards the barn, and found Riley slinging hay bales up a ladder towards a loft, something taking hard effort but which he didn't seem to be struggling at. He paused at the sight of Dale. Hi, done with the roller? Where do I put it? Dale paused, looking for a space among the various pieces of machinery. Over there, Riley gestured, and went on slinging bales. Dale parked the roller and came back to him, brushing off his hands. I'm supposed to help you. What do you want doing? Riley paused again, giving him a slightly odd look, then nodded up the ladder to the loft. You can go up there if you want. I'll pass the bales up to you. Be a heck of a lot quicker than hauling them one by one. Unless you mind heights? No. Dale climbed the ladder and hooked a leg around the top, bracing himself so that he could lean down, and Riley swung the bale up to his hands. Just stack them where you can. You're fit. Most suits are huffing and puffing in five minutes. I get twitchy if I can't exercise. Dale stacked the bale and leaned down for the next one, intrigued in spite of himself. Do you get many clients through here? We take them one at a time, and most are here for a couple of months, so we see maybe four in a year? Riley hauled a couple more bales into reach to pass up. You're the second this year so far. We do get plenty coming back for vacations, or for a weekend refresher from time to time. Most of them have come back at least once. Suckers for punishment, obviously. What got you into trouble? Riley asked without delicacy, pushing up another bale. Dale grabbed it mechanically. Trouble? Riley gave him a look. Breakdown? What do you want to call it? Flynn must have given you the don't-bother-with-bullshit speech. The frankness was actually refreshing rather than insulting, and Riley had an attractive warmth to him that made it hard to take offense. Of a work, I suppose, Dale said unwillingly. Obsessing. Obsess much? Riley asked cheerfully. Dale snorted. What do you lot say? I plead the fifth? I don't obsess at all, Riley said calmly. I just panic, which make me a truly lousy exec. Don't worry about stacking. I'll come up and help with that when we've got them all up there. And I couldn't be indoors all day, or do the desk sitting. I never did sitting. Dale flung another bale out of the way. No? I kind of had a reputation in the office. If anything needed doing, people got it done quick, or I tended to get impatient and do it myself. Riley laughed, a very good-natured sound that touched a chord. Dale found himself returning the smile almost unwillingly. There was a whole stack of boxes dumped in the office a few months back, and I put the whole lot away mid-morning, shipped them myself, because the secretaries didn't get round to it. Bears the hell out of them. Flynn's like that. Riley flung up the last bale and climbed the ladder, joining Dale in the loft. Take your eyes off him for two minutes, and he's reorganized the world. Put them as far back into the wall as you can. There's a lot more to come yet. They worked in silence for a minute, and Dale gave Riley a covert glance as they worked. They were about the same age, and while Riley was slightly smaller and more lightly built, he was strong and he was fit. He wasn't noticeably out of breath, and he hauled the bales without much effort, shoving them into place with the competence of long practice. Have you worked here for long? Years, Riley said without hesitation. I was sixteen when I first came here. And you're employed, or attached to one of the others? Dale said as delicately as possible. He had wondered more than once about these four men in this one huge house who all appeared to have separate rooms. Riley grinned at him. Not employed or attached. We all kind of belong to the ranch. It's a long story. And you've always done this CEO rescue work. Dale couldn't help the acid creeping into his tone, and from Riley's glance, which held no little sympathy, he'd heard it. Yes, always. We all work for the ranch, but that's been a key part of the ranch for at least the past 30 years. That was odd. Riley was around 30. Flynn maybe was in his late 30s, as was Jasper, and Paul could not be more than mid-40s at the oldest. None of them could have been harassing executives 30 years ago. It's a long story, Riley said cheerfully, shoving the last bale in place. That's it. We're done. Come get something to eat? I'm starved. 
He descended the ladder simply by leaning down, grabbing a handhold, and jumping the rest of the way. Dale followed him, heading with him across the yard towards the kitchen. It was empty, and Riley opened the fridge, digging out milk and bread. If I give you anything with sugar in, Paul will kill me. You're supposed to be detoxing. You know that? Flynn said to think of it as rehab, Dale said dryly. He would. Riley passed butter and a knife to Dale and hacked off several slices of bread from the loaf. Pretty much every client comes with all kinds of dietary mess-ups. Caffeine, blood sugar, all the stuff that builds stress and all the rest of it. They'll keep you on a strict diet for a few weeks, not that we see much sugar or junk out here anyways. I don't eat much of the junk, Dale accepted the bread, finding he was actually hungry. Riley poured milk into two mugs and picked one up, knocking back the contents in several long swallows. Don't like it? Saw what it did to too many other people. And there had been an ulcer a couple of years ago, which had not been pretty while it ran its course. Riley led the way, taking his bread and mug with him, and sat down on the top step of the porch. Dale sat beside him, closing his eyes for a moment on the brightness of the overhead sun. So how did the ranch stop working with broken execs? There can't have been that many of them thirty years ago. You like the history stories? Riley propped his back against one of the porch posts. The ranch originally belonged to Philip and David. Philip was the one who brought me out here. I never knew David. Paul was the only one of us who did. David died sometime in the 80s. Philip carried on working the ranch after David died, and he was the one with the corporate know-how. He was some kind of silent CEO in a lot of major deals in corporations. There used to be choppers coming and going on the landing strips, and all kinds of people would be in and out of the house, although Philip almost never left the ranch to do it. It was all discreet. Letters and private friends and meetings. Philip got to know all kinds of top businessmen who were having trouble, and he and David used to bring them here and straighten them out where it didn't affect their reputation. There's no publicity out here. We don't have a public name. It's all word of mouth and very private. After David died, Philip went on doing it, and he kind of trained up the rest of us. And when Philip died, we were stuck in the habit. Was Philip a relative of yours? Dale asked with curiosity. Riley shook his head, smiling. A very good friend. He and David kind of gathered up strays all their lives. They were a couple, although David was a lot older than Philip. There isn't one of us here straight, if you haven't figured that out, he added placidly. Me, the... Dale swallowed milk with vague curiosity, as this was not something he remembered of drinking since about the age of ten. That was no doubt part of your sponsor information. It was, Riley agreed without embarrassment. Although it makes no odds, we've had a married, single, straight, gay, bi, homophobic. It works out. We only take partnered clients if the partner's prepared to work with us. We've had some clients who have wives and kids, and they come and stay out here for a few weeks towards the end of the program. Have you always been single? Dale thought briefly of the few affairs, mostly brief intervals of friendly, casual sex, with colleagues in several offices on several continents. None of them counted. All of them were men who'd smile if they saw him. Most would cheerfully accept another invitation to dinner and bed, and it would be good-naturedly informal to the extent of neither of them troubling to stay in contact afterwards. More or less. Not the time when you're never in an office for more than a few weeks. Same with me, although without the office, Riley said comfortably. Philip had an awful habit of matchmaking and marrying people off, especially people he got protective over, but he never found anyone that I liked enough to bother with. It drove him mad trying. If you two are done, Flynn called from the paddock, there's the next load of hay on the trailer. Riley, take Dale with you. Riley gave an ironic salute with his glass, drained it, and got up. Done. No rest for the wicked. Come on. I think that's going to be the end of part one. I'm going to split these into two from now on. Um, hope you're enjoying it. Thanks.